we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Lakers weekend, everyone. Lakerholics Spotlight. Waiting for the Lakerholics, but I wanted to get on the air because I know people are waiting already. So I wanted to get on the air to talk to you. It's Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching, listening. Truly appreciate it. You know, my other shows are also available wherever you get your podcast, and that includes the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week. Twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on this latest episode, Melinda and I talk about the mess at Marvel. Uh, what's going on with the new monster show rawr, at Apple TV Plus. And also as well, we're talking with TJ Johnson about Spider-Man 2. So go ahead and check it out. Plus, this Monday show is going to be a good one as Josh and I it's one of our favorite shows of the year. It's the Black Friday episode, everyone. We talk the latest great deals for geek culture out there, consumer technology. We get all into the nitty-gritty on what we think are the best deals coming up this week, this next week right here on Pop Culture Cosmos. So go ahead and check it out on Monday as well. Plus, also inside sports fantasy football, the guys stopped by that they did. That would be Joe Sorrell and Sean Grice. They stopped by the latest Inside Sports Fantasy Football covering for my good friend Chris Ardieri, who is out uh, getting better, uh, getting on the mend. So uh, they stepped in. NFL Week 11 and a redemption story for Dak Prescott was covered. So please go ahead and check out Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Joe Soro, he's the Ox1947. He probably said he's going to be in and out this weekend at best. So he may be more in the chat for all of our shows this weekend. Just want to let everybody know because he's got a very busy weekend. You can still find him, though, as Ox1947 at Lakerholics.com, uh, Lakersball.com. Thank you, cool bro. I appreciate it. I got this uh, about a year ago uh, from GameSpot. So they might still have it available, just to let you know if you're interested. It's a long sleeve, just to let you know. But uh, Blue Magic's asking if, uh, cool bro, you started your book channels as of yet. But it is, of course, the Lakers Fast Break. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We're going to be talking about Austin Reeves. He has not had the start of the season that he was hoping for, coming off the momentum from FIBA. But when it comes right down to it, we saw the signs already that maybe the hype we shouldn't get it built into the hype too much. So I will uh, say that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a new one, Tom. There's a new one. There's a new one that I sent. So Tom's trying to get in now. So, there he is. There he is. Yep, I told you it was a new one sent. I sent the wrong one. So that's, that's oh, okay. the new one out. right after it. I was like, oops, I knew, made my mistake there. But go ahead and check out what they're doing today. At Lakerholics.com. It is Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Also, as well, go ahead and give a big shout out to Empire Jeff TV. He's, and of course, also as well, you want to go ahead and give a big shout out to the John McCallion channel, our good friends at Daniel Berry Sports Highlights, and of course, also as well, Lakers in Five. Uh, great to have everyone here. It is the Lakerholic Spotlight, and the Lakerholic Spotlight is on Austin Reeves. His Performance in FIBA got everybody built into the hype. Laker fans were really getting into the hype of Austin Reese, but so far this season, 
After seeing some of the signs in FIBA that we called out on the show, we started to see some things in a not great direction for Austin Reeves. He was sent to the bench, now coming off the bench, and we still see some troubling things in his game. So what is his future with the Los Angeles Lakers? We'll talk about that. Plus, yes, Darren, Laker Tom will probably have some interesting trade scenarios because the talk and the chatter... (laughs) about the Lakers and the Bulls uh, has gone to a, not a meteoric level, but it's gone, it's getting warm. It's getting warm. But with the rumors about, about Caruso and Levine and DeRozan heading somewhere else, we'll talk about that on the show as well. But great to have everyone here. It is Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening, but please check out Lakerholics.com. You can do yourself some justice as a Lakers fan to go ahead and check out Lakerholics.com. There's always great articles with Jamie Sweet's Five Things and, of course, Laker Tom's articles as well. But let's get into it right now with Austin Reeves before we get into all the funky trade scenarios that Darren wants us to talk about. Helen oh, says, oh, no, another instrument. Uh <laughs> <laughs> He's a musician, Alan. What can you say? Musicians play music. There you go. What is a Lakerholic? Well, that's when you have so much Lakers in your blood and so much yeah. Lakers in ours, your <laughs> fandom. You just can't get enough of Lakerholics and you admit you have a problem indeed. But Laker Tom, I want to get into Austin Reeves now. Uh, I had mentioned shortly after the FIBA series where he was actually at the very end really singled out on the defensive end that Laker fans need to be warned. They need to be warned about possible issues with the defense and not buy too much into the hype. And I was repeatedly called out, oh, no, Gerald, it's okay. It's fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be absolutely fine. Well, this season has come around, and while his shooting has not been there 100% as of yet, his defense has been singled out on many occasions, which has caused Darvin Ham to go ahead and put him as a guy coming off the bench. He's changed up the starting lineup, the D'Angelo, Austin Reeves, just as a defensive, just issues, just could not be able to be, they could not start those two anymore, just the way those two could play defense. So Austin Reeves, the world's best NBA contract, the hype into he's going to be the next big thing. It's not there anymore. So what's there left over for Austin Reeves? Now that we have probably more realistic opinions on Austin Reeves, what is his future going forward, Laker Tom? I actually don't think his future has really changed that much. Um, You know, I, first off, you, you just have to recognize that Austin is in a situation right now where, He's probably tired. He's probably worn out from all of the games that he's played in the summer. And he's probably there's there's an there's a there's this element that I, that I, as I find interesting it, I'm a 49ers fan. So I've got two what you would call for their sports small white quarterbacks, so to speak, and Austin Reeves and Brock Purdy, who both have a huge crowd that's waiting for them to fail, partly simply because they've been hyped up so much and because they're white. Um, I think first off, I like that. And because they're white, you just threw. <laughs> well, it, there's an element of truth. It in is it. a great you white know, hope listen, issue. Yes, I know. There's an I, element I, of truth I, in it that you can look at. You can look at the Lakers' backcourt, 
And we've got two guys who are basically unathletic players, two guys who play like white guys, if you will. Um, and that really becomes a shortcoming defensively because you can't, you don't have guys quick enough to stay in front of guys. And so, so you're we're saying white guys can't guard? Them. Pardon? You're saying if are you saying white guys can't guard? Then what does Alex Crusoe do? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. That's a stereotype, and it's it has elements of truth. You know, if you take it on a giant population, but there are always exceptions. Yeah. You know, um, everybody knows that. Um, yeah. And you know, the thing with Reeves is that he got overhyped. Then he ran into some ran and ran into everybody adjusting to his game. You mean a prior type, people were game planning for him and taking advantage of him. Um, and that's to be expected, you know, when you make a leap like he made. Um, I think that what's really fascinating about this is, is I, I'm in the middle of an article that basically says that Darvin Ham made a masterful move by moving Reeves to the bench and by promoting Reddish. We've gone four and five since then, but it's not just the four wins and one loss. It's it's the flip around that it's done with everything and the stats of the team, the plus minuses, where their defense and offense lands and everything. Uh, it's been a dramatic change, and it was a surprise move that that I didn't expect. I, I, I expected, like everybody else, that Reese would stay in a starting lineup since he's the guy with the contract and the big rep, you know, and so forth. And that Russell, who's, you know, probably the primary trade target if we end up making a trade, would be the guy to go to the bench. Um, for a lot of good reasons, I have to admit, uh, that I agree with in retrospect, I think that Darwin made a, a, an inspired decision. Um, Reeves basically looks like a good candidate for six man of the year. And you can't argue with the fact that Reddish, Reddish has the second best plus minus since he's been in the starting lineup. He's really turned, he's really done a terrific job. He's the fourth biggest, the hot fourth highest scorer. He's a, he's a, leads in steals. He's second in plus minus. Um, and he's making great plays defensively. He's really showing his moxie there. He's hitting his shots. He's hitting 36% from three. So you can't argue with those two decisions. The thing everybody has to look at is, Getting back to your question, Austin Reeves is not designated as a reserve for the rest of the year. There's a very good possibility that he could he could be. If we make a trade, that he could very well end up being a starting point guard again. Um, I haven't agreed with you that I don't. I think he's better. I think his best role probably for any team, for any championship team, is probably as a sixth man candidate. You know, he he can. The bench has been much better with him in charge. You know, there's no doubt about it. He he's he seems more comfortable. There's a little less pressure on him. He's playing against the second team, not the first team. So he's got, you know, he's going to be a little better offensively and so forth. So, you know, I don't take it as a huge disappointment. I think that this adjustment to Reeves' role is part of finding out what this team is made of and who's going to play which roles and how it's all going to fit together to be a successful championship season, hopefully. And I still think we have a chance for that. I still think we may have to have a trade. But I like what Darvin's Hams has done in the last four five games. I like what I've seen. All of a sudden, you've got a lineup that instead of having just two or three people who had a plus minus or a positive net rating, 
for the last five games, we've got like 11 or 12 people that do. And we've got a couple of guys injured that still aren't in there. Um, and over the next, we're what? We're seven and six, 13 games in. We have seven games left in the month of November. That'll hit us to 20 games, which is the quarter bowl. Um, I think we got a good shot to win five of those next seven games. If we can do that, we will end up being 12 and six. Um, and I, I think that would be, you know, a, a good situation for us. Um, we would, you know, 12 and eight rather, we would be, we would be in the top six teams at that point in time, hopefully getting back our other two players and be maybe a couple of weeks away from making a trade. Um, so I, I, I like I like where we are with Reeves. I think it's just a, a realistic reassessment. I think that everybody knew that he couldn't continue to play at that same level. And just like we knew that Rui can't shoot threes the way that he did in the playoffs in that one series, you know, and so forth. So um, and hopefully we found out maybe that D'Angelo Russell can, you know, do better than he did in those four games against the Nuggets, you know, if he has another chance to do it. So uh, I like where Reeves is now. I think that this has helped him. And I thought that the move that Ham made uh, was great for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that it's another step in the Lakers going big, which is really where the strength of this team is and where their defense really is best. Once again, it is the Lakerholic Spotlight. It is Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Please go ahead and check out his work today at Lakerholics.com, where you can also check out five things from the man i'm talking to right now it is admiral akbar himself uh jamie sweet uh he did lay a trap that the lakers did not follow they just followed it the next night <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go there on that one i know <laughs> jamie great to have you here my friend <laughs> you laid out the trap on the wrong day but when it comes to the lakers austin reeves uh you know before we really get into the team itself and what's going on Austin Reeves, the adjustment that had to be made, the fact that one of the two, D'Angelo or him, had to start coming off the bench, and they felt Austin Reeves was the one to go. Is this going to be a career-defining moment where maybe you say, you know what, maybe his career going forward, is it going to be a better as a positional role player coming off the bench or as a sixth man? rather than being the, the potential all-star and superstar so many had him pegged for this offseason? I mean, I, I, for no seconds at all, ever believed he was going to become a superstar. He just doesn't have the physical. The John Stocktons of yesteryear don't become all-stars and superstars in the modern NBA. It's too fast. It's too physical. He doesn't have excellent foot speed. He doesn't have excellent hops. He has, he's good across the board. He's across the board good. Good shooting. Good smarts. Good defense. Not great. Good. 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 He gets he gets the good. He's like, you know, if this were the three little bears, he'd be just right every time, right? You know, just right, just right, just right, just right, just right. And that's fine. That's fine. And as far as the whole six-man thing goes, I can list five legendary six men right off the top of my head. Michael Cooper, legendary six man. Jamal Crawford, legendary six man. Lou Williams, legendary six man. Manu Ginobili, legendary six man. The list goes on, right? We, we don't have to we don't have to beat the horse. It, it, it's okay to be a six man in the NBA. Lamar Odom was a super effective six man. 
maybe not legendary because he only was in that role for a short time, but, you know, compared to guys like Sweet Lou and, and potentially, you know, Austin Reeves. Caruso, currently a six man. You know, everybody's like, Caruso this, Caruso that. Comes off the bench for the Bulls. So there's no shame in that game. Somebody has to come off the bench. You can only start five guys. You're going to play between eight and ten. That means half of, the, of your estimated lineup is coming off the bench. Okay? So that it's fine. It's fine that he's coming off the bench. It actually adds playmaking to the second unit, which lacked it since Gabe Vincent's been out with no seemingly timeline for a return that I've seen. There's no Kendrick value. Nunn. It's Kendrick Nunn again. I don't think it's that bad. I, I think that. <laughs> I don't know. But when they when they give you answers in only two week segments. Yeah, that's the problem, and that was. But I mean, that was the same with Vando, and now they're ramping them up. So I, I think that they have done a good job with their. They've done a better job this year with the injury prognostications, and they've changed the wordage around it. Now it's a uh, progression to play. Right? There's a. There's a <laughs> The play that they have to go through, uh, whatever, whatever yeah, that means. So we don't expect them to show up tomorrow, you know. Exactly, and but it's wise, right? It doesn't put pressure on the player, doesn't put pressure on the coach, doesn't put pressure on anybody. It's, How can we have so many injuries? It almost makes you want to look at look at our medical crew, you know. You know, I, I, part of it I think is being, I, you know, they had said earlier in in training camp, like if this was the playoffs, Vando would play, you know, and I, mm. and I'll bet this is true of a couple of the guys. If 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 it were the playoffs, if they had, you know, I think there's a real issue with Gabe. So Gabe's, I think, is something. He's not a young guy. He's not an athletic guy, and so this could end up being a problem. Um, which is why they had to move Reeves to the second unit, right? You have to have some kind of playmaker in the second unit, and it wasn't Cam Reddish, it wasn't Rui Hachimura, it wasn't Christian Wood. It wasn't Jack. Probably shouldn't have been D'Angelo because he's only started in his career. can't do that. Uh, can't, I think his future, his near future, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I've said it before. His near future could be coming off the bench for a team. But you can't. I didn't say the Lakers. I just said for a team. You can't right. do it to him after you just signed him to that extension. You can't do it to him when he holds the player option and you maybe kind of hope he does accept that role. And, and he's playing better than Reeves. You can't do that. <laughs> right for, now he is, yes. You can't yeah. do it for a fit standpoint because let's be honest, D'Angelo fits better with the starting five to start the game off than, than, than Reeves does. And the other thing you might notice is that more often than not, Reeves is closing the games. If I'm an NBA player, yes, I would love to start, but I really want to close because that's where legends are made. That's where money's made. Nobody, nobody signs a first quarter star to a big contract. They sign you for your clutch shots, your game-winning shots, your game-winning defense, your game-winning plays. So if you're not closing the game, you can't have those. If you're not on, you're starting playing in the fourth quarter, you can't have those. And there's been fourth quarters where D'Lo didn't play. And to D'Lo's credit, all he does is is he turns into his version of ML Carr. He's got that towel going. He's got that clap going. He's pumping dudes up. He's been a great but influence. He's been a great positive influence on the team. He knows if he's part of a winning culture, it's going to help repair his identity problem, right? His identity problem is as much an issue as his lack of defense in the league. And some people can say, like, oh, the Nick Young thing's way in the past. It's not just the Nick Young thing. It's that every team he's been on, he, he's not a winner, right? He doesn't, he's not the guy that pushes the team to that next level. He's, he's, a, big part of, he's a big part of the Nets' rise. 
Yeah. Um, no, he wasn't. They, that, they, was, that was where I think he really rehabilitated his image to a I great mean, extent. He showed that he could score a lot of points. That that's different. He didn't. They didn't. Yeah, but he, he, I've listened to him talk. I've listened to him make comments about his immaturity when he first was with the Lakers and so oh, forth. Sure. And, I, and you know, I think that he's grown a lot in that way. And you've seen a lot of players who I agree really like having him as a teammate. I agree, but I don't think people consider him to be a winner. The same way they didn't consider Christian Wood to be a winner, the same way they didn't consider Cam Reddish to be a winner. If you've got talent, that's wonderful. Yeah, and a lot of it, and I still think a lot of it, and I think that D'Angelo is proving it, and Christian Wood is proving it, and Hayes well, is only proving had a small it. Sample they're, size. they're proving basically that a lot of it has the environment that you're put up in. Yeah. What, too kind of, what kind of team are you on? Who is the coach? What are the types of players that you're surrounding you with? And what are the expectations that you're put in that situation? You know, I think only one side of the coin. The other side is your mentality. Yeah, you could Kobe Bryant on the Charlotte Hornets, and the Charlotte Hornets make the playoffs. Yeah, well, but it's also the age of the kids that are coming in, man. I mean, your mentality. Don't care what your age is. You can have the right mentality, or you can have the wrong mentality as an 18 year old. Yeah, but 25 year old as a if 30 you're going into the NBA as an 18 year old kid. I'm just saying there's a difference between coming into a situation and having the right attitude or coming into a situation and having the wrong. Of course there is. Yeah, Len Manana is a perfect example of somebody who's incredibly mature. Right. Didn't come into San Antonio saying, I am your savior. We shall now make the playoffs. He came in saying, I'm not going to play center. I'm not going to. Right. Well, <laughs> that's smart for him. He's, he's, yeah. he's just taking care of his, his willowy body. That's, that's just wisdom. That's knowing your limitations. AD should be in the same situation, but well, AD has made the same has made the same claim, except he's also understands that he's going to play some center just because of our need. I mean, he's playing center. <laughs> it's not some center. He's playing... No, but the five out, the five out, still, you know, he, but he, he's he's choosing what shots he wants to take, you know, and and he's still holding up the defensive end. But to circle it back to Reeves, I'm not worried about Austin. He's had a he's had yeah. really impact off the bench. He's never going to be. He's just not a 25, 30 point per game scorer. He's just not. He doesn't have that kind of aggressive mentality. He could be, but he ain't going to get those shots. Yeah, yeah. Have defense like a Dame Lillard can. Can't get to the hole like a Russell Westbrook can. He just doesn't have the speed or the hops or the handle. He doesn't have any of those things. Nope. He can't. He, he, he is incapable. That's the Lakers' biggest number one problem right now. The only guy who can get to the rim and collapse the defense is 39, coming up on 39-year-old LeBron James. That's it. The list ends there. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. 
really funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, you know what, Jamie? I, I will say consistently, yes, but Cam Reddish has shown that he's willing to exploit opportunities. I, I, I No, I agree with you, Jamie. Not at the level LeBron can, but Reddish is good at reading when his opportunity Rui's Rui's been playing really well and hitting and attacking. And I, will say, I, I will say this, Gerald, before, uh, before we get into a, a, a tad of uh, hot water. Um, Uh-oh. Well, by the way, shit, Magic Man Sean Grice is joining us. Go ahead, my friend. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to get the LFB in hot water, but uh, considering the, the discussion about the injuries. Um, uh, remember, Joe's here almost every day, and he's yeah, in that now. The, the, Vin- the Vincent thing is really interesting. Um, I, I remember uh, a co-worker of mine needed his knee drained, and it took five weeks before he was able to fully come back to work, Gerald. So I haven't heard the Lakers say that Vincent has had to have his knee drained. But the fact that he's out two weeks and now he's being reevaluated for another two weeks makes me think that there's something there. And quite frankly, you know, everybody's instincts i think are right and my i i I feel the same way this vincent thing might be a problem because when you have to drain something that fluid has to eventually go back somewhere and it also makes you think that if it's not it like if he hasn't suffered like any serious injury gerald you worry you worry about like then uh, like arthritis and like structure of ligaments at that point, because things are breaking down if fluid is building up. And as for Vando, I I mean, I look at it as um, it's a win lose situation for us as fans. Yeah. We, we lose because he's not being uh, able to be evaluated on the court and how successful or efficient the Lakers will be at that point. Saying that, Gerald, that heel, I mean, everybody knows that there is very little blood supply below the ankle. So, I mean, it takes a while sometimes for those lower injuries to uh, to heal in the foot, um, ankles. You know, it just there's there's not a lot of room for air either. You have to kind of let it s- settle. So, I I'd be more concerned about the Vincent situation here. Vincent could very well. Vincent and J and JHS both could very well get traded before they play. It's possible. They only, got, they only got a month ago, and both of them are eligible to be traded. And, and they're both at least two to four weeks away from playing. We'll see what happens indeed. But once again, it is the Lakerholic Spotlight. Uh, Magic Man, I'll have you finish off the conversation on Austin Reeves here. What do you think before we get into other stuff, including Rui Hashimura? What are you? What are your thoughts, though, on this when it comes to Austin Reeves, his future going forward? He is no longer, or no longer should be, in my opinion, the untouchable piece of the Lakers' uh, entire collection. There for you. 
Yes. I, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you there, Gerald. But then again, nobody, nobody should feel safe. If I, I, I've, and speaking of Austin Reeves, I have a feeling if there wasn't so much of a comfort level about guys where they're where they sit in the lineups or where they sit in the rotations rather than their bank account, Gerald. I mean, all that comes into play when we're analyzing this. Um, he's better off the bench. That's that's clear and as day. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll Kobe. You know, Kobe Bryant once said was asked a question about you know what made you so effective against your opponents one on one, and he said. I just had a counter move. Every move that I was able to combat, I countered. So Austin hasn't really learned those counters yet, Gerald. He either tries to dribble himself out of trouble that he's already in and dribbles himself into more, as we've seen time and time again, or he, as Gerald has uh, said before, he just doesn't have the lateral foot speed to get around, get around faster more athletic players so he requires more help to get open shots or where he likes to shoot yeah um, keep backing up the way he is you know and, yeah and I, yeah and gerald he he's 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 searching the uh the uh egg net the uh the nest for uh, easy fouls instead of just trying to put his head down and go to the rim He's he's trying to look for those easy eggs, and they're not coming because the refs aren't gonna aren't gonna give it to him. They they see what guys are trying to do, and they either reward you or they'll say nope. And I think that's what's happening with uh, with Reeves in particular is that he got a lot of those calls last year, Gerald, because he just put his head down and went to the rim, uh, throwing caution to the wind. Now he's trying to be very. Uh, very specific, very delicate, and I think the refs pick up on when you're trying to fabricate uh, calls. Plus, he also needs to be more careful with the ball. Uh, I think Alan said it as well. His dribbling is loose. I agree. Uh, he's had it picked from him uh, quite a bit this season from right there, just trying to bring it over half court, and just so people are just like, see, know, Dennis, 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 yeah. yeah, Dennis's problem with turnovers wasn't that wasn't his dribble. It was that Dennis put his head down and <laughs> lost his uh, hand. Well, never watching the whole court. Yeah, Austin, Austin has a different problem. That's true. His dribble is very loosey goosey. Right. Absolutely. Once again, it is the Lakerholic Spotlight. It is, of course, Lakerholics.com. Go ahead and check out all the great fun that they have each and every day at Jamie Sweet. AKA Admiral Akbar, the Mr. Five Things articles right there, and Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Please go ahead and check it out today, Lakerholics.com. All right. So I wanted to touch on something else as far as the rest of the team. It's seven and six tomorrow, home game against the Rockets, who've been playing very well uh, despite the James Harden heroics the other night. They have been playing well for the most part. But uh, Darren's uh, put something that I actually put out there quite a bit the past couple of days, and that is Rui Hashimura. Rui Hashimura has, uh, you know, before the season started, I said, you know what, is he the 30% three-point shooter that he has been, or is he the 50% shooter that he was in the playoffs? 
or if you could even be something else in between, I think we would all be happy. Well, so far this season, coming back for the concussion protocol, he's shot very well. The problem is, Laker Tom, as you do the Laker Tom lean-in, he is not shooting at all. He's only getting five shots a game the past two, three games. Mm-hmm. And it's been very troubling to see how he's – it's not like he's only playing five minutes, Laker Tom. He's playing – 20 plus minutes a game, sometimes 25, 26 minutes a game. That's very troubling for if your best shooter cannot get the ball in the right spots and only can get it five opportunities a game. Your thoughts on how to get Rui Hashimura more involved in the offense, which I think will make things right now, since he's shooting so well, of things a lot better for the Lakers in the offense. Well, I think part of the problem is that the Lakers still have even with the two people out, the two guys injured, they still have a deep rotation. And what happens is that Darwin Hand hasn't figured out exactly where everybody's spot is in that rotation. And the result is that guys are coming in at different times. And so we're seeing inconsistency. You see Rui come in and have a great game. Then you see Wood come in and have a great game, but Rui doesn't do anything. And, And a lot of it, I think, is just because we haven't, filled everybody's roles at this point in time. We don't know exactly who this, what the rotations are. Um, you immediately see that when you go to try to study the, the lineups and look at the five-man lineups that are being used. Um, like I'm always trying to see exactly how we're doing with the two big lineups versus the other lineups. And it's, it's really messy because there are so many different combinations of lineups for three or four minutes or one or two games of the last five that it's really hard to sort through all of this stuff. And as an analyst, you're facing the exact same problem the player is when he's in, in the, sitting on the bench. You know, what am I going to do? Who am I I'm going to go in? When am I going to go in? Who am I going to go in with? What's my role going to be when I go in? What position am I going to play? We've got a whole lineup of guys who can play two or three positions. So it, it's going to take longer simply because we had five or six new guys. It's going to take longer for him to get those rotations down um and we spent the first eight games you know without without ready starting since ready started everything's turned around numbers wise and we're you know other than other than laying that one a game when ad had bad game we've really done well and and the next seven games that we have the rest of november to get us to 20 games those are all games that we've got a good chance to win. We do have to play the 76ers once and we have to play uh, Dallas. So those are the two tougher games in there. But we have a good chance to, to, to end up with a 12 and eight record for the first 20 games a quarter of the way through and be in the top six. So I think we'll be fine. You know, and then, then you get into the question of, right now we're ranked as the fifth best team. There are four teams that have better odds. And I, and I pretty well agree that those four teams, uh, you know, the probably, Probably uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee and Boston in the East, and and uh, and I think in in the West, obviously Denver, Denver, and probably probably Phoenix are the those are the four teams that are ranked above us, and and right on our tails, number six is Golden State, um, and so there's, I, I think we're going to have to do something, I, you know, I know that Gerald's got probably tied up the next discussion being about trades and so forth. Um, 
I don't. That see, has been requested by our audience. I, I don't see you know. And listen, I I always get angry at people who get so upset with the fact that we would consider a trade uh, when it's not even available at this point in time. Um, you know, it's it's so stupid because simply what happens is the games happen. You find out who's playing well and who's who you're seeing as a long-term member of the team. And you're also seeing guys that don't play well and your and needs that the team has. And you definitely want to look around and see what opportunities there are to improve the team. We'll make some moves at the trade deadline. I don't have a doubt. I don't think we need to make a move like trading for trading for a superstar making $40 million a year. I think that would be a mistake. But that doesn't stop you at Laker Tom. No, that's true. I, I, there are, listen, if I could get, I'd probably take Zach Levine if I could get Alex Caruso too. And I didn't have to give up everything. If I didn't have to give up more than, let's say, just the the 29 pick and the 27 first and fourth, one through four pick, which we have a right to trade also. I, I, I might do that, but I'd much rather see us go out and get Miles Turner. I'd much rather see us go out and, you know, there's four or five other people that I think would, you know, that I would like to get. I'd like to get Alex Caruso. I'd love to have the ability. He has a successful team right yeah, now. Yeah, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give one first round pick for Alex Caruso, and I'm sure now I'm not going to give him two first round picks. Well, that's what he, the rate is right now, according to yeah, Reddit well, uh, and the rumors. That's not going to happen. He's not Drew. He is not Drew Holiday. Believe me. Once again, go ahead, Magic Man. I got you unplugged right now. Go for it. Tom, what would you what would you offer a team? What would you think you'd have to offer a team for an All NBA Defensive Player? What what would what would what would your red line be? Depends on the player. Because well, let's talk about Alex Caruso. Would you, if you're not going to give up two picks, are you going to give up an unprotected pick and your second best young prospect? Um, for Alex Caruso. I'd love, to, I'd, love to trade, I'd love to trade Gabe Vincent for him. The money works perfectly. Uh, so you trade Gabe Vincent for him and you give him three seconds. I think if he, throw I, in Max Christie in three seconds. Yeah, you know what? So you're, I, if you're the other team, you're getting a, a new so injured Tom, guy. Tom, Tom, Tom let me ask you a question. So oh, really? Milwaukee was willing. Milwaukee was Milwaukee was willing to give up all that for Dame, right? And then. They're going to be sorry, I think. Yeah. That being said, look at what Drew Holiday fetched the Pelicans when he was in his prime as an All-NBA defender. I mean, that's likely what the Bulls want. I mean, he's improved as a three-point shooter. There's no denying that, Tom. And and he can play with any with any with any with any combo guard you got. He can play with them. He fits like a glove with everybody from Derek White, Drew Holiday, Tyrese Maxey, uh, D'Angelo Russell. You could, uh, you know, if the, Mav, if, the Mav, if the Mavs really thought they were they were going for it, Tom, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Those are the two teams I'm scared of acquiring Alex Russo or the, the Boston. Are the Boston Celtics and the Dallas Mavericks? Because uh, I think they would both pay the price. I think. Let's, Jamie, go ahead, my friend. Or get you in here. So he's he was 
he was it's him and Tom Thibodeau are on a collision course of destiny. Who right. who and Tom Thibodeau? Caruso and Tom. Oh, you think the Knicks are going to get they have, Caruso? Jer- they have players, young players that a rebuilding team would at least be interested. In. Nobody's interested in Jalen Hood Safino. Nobody's interested in Max Christie. Nobody's interested in these guys. Well, there's and, some interest in Christie. It's an 18 year old kid who's got talent. I I it. a I mean, of- it's not going to be a piece, it's a sweetener in a deal. That's never going to be a this is it. Like, piece. If your starting point for any deal is broken down Gabe Vincent, I mean, basically, you're, you're hoping for. Okay, no, you're selling it. That's the picks. But the three, to fill it's that salary filler. You're just playing for the picks. Three second round jokes is a pick. Is three, three second, second rounders are probably worth a first rounder. All right, so I'm going to go into what Adam's saying right now because we can always come back to the trade scenarios. And again, I'm not I'm not in love with getting a 29 year old, bordering on 30, poor need, uh, ind- you know, individual who will owe several more years to at 40 plus million dollars and bringing Are him you along. Speaking just of to, Zach Levine, just to just to get Alex Caruso back in here uh, because that's probably the package deal that we'd have to go through, but. I want to touch on something, Adam, is because he's begging for this. Because his blind—I don't want to say hatred, because I've said that before earlier this week, Adam. But I, I don't want to say you hate the guy, but your blind dislike—you're—you just—it's just blinding him. This dislike on Torian Prince in the starting lineup, or as a contributor at all to the, to the team, has been underwhelming. Mister Forty Percent has not shot forty percent. Uh, and it's not giving you the defense uh, stopper ability on either end. I do not know why he's still in the lineup. I honestly don't. Uh, I, With the way Rui Hashimura has been playing, I do admit he's better off the bench, but Rui has been shooting well enough at this point in time. If he's not getting enough opportunities off the bench, as far as people say play more minutes, well, he played 28 minutes the other night and still only found five shots in the offense. You need to start Rui at this point in time over Torian Prince, I think that's something where it's going to benefit both sides of the equation on this. I think it's something that we need to evaluate. Uh, I'll start with you. Back to you, Jamie, because I know you, you were uh, just got a couple of words in last time. Let's hear your thoughts on the moving Torian Prince out of the starting lineup. And uh, obviously, Adam, will that that help? I hope you're not getting gray hairs over the fact that Torian Prince is still in the starting lineup. So hopefully, we can go He'll ahead still and make be that in the help. lineup. For the next game, too. Yeah, that's going to be that's the frustrating I mean, thing. All right, I'm all for moving them out. I think that what's going to happen is that this is what I think is happening. I think that I think that Darvin Ham really wants to set the bench up for success. So he's going to keep Reeves coming off the bench. He's going to keep Hachimura coming off the bench. He's going to keep Wood in the second unit, and Hayes will get spot playing time based on foul trouble and situational matchups and yada 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 yada. Who's going to supplant? Torian Prince from the starting five. There's only one guy. His name is Jared Vanderbilt. And then Torian Prince's minutes may actually just kind of vanish, much like Lonnie He'll Walker. He'll be the 11th man. He'll be much, the 11th man and slide out of the rotation. Did last season. So once Lonnie Walker 2.0, a.k.a. Torian Prince, hits the bench, then you're going to see Vando in the starting five. He's going to be playing those 20, 25 minutes a game. And we're going to see how that works for 15, 20 games. At which point, based on the record, based on the fit, based on the the vibe and the mojo, we may see Torian Prince work his way back in in place of somebody else. I, I kind of don't see it. I, I, he bring 
you know, Tom made a comparison to Troy Brown Jr. a week or two ago when it comes to Torian Prince, and I think that that's exactly right. He's not fast enough. He's not big enough. He's not good enough. He, he's he's just short in everything you want him to do, right? And it's not he's a lot better than Troy, though. I I have to admit that I. I don't think so. No, I think there's two or three. There's two or three drives to the basket that Torian makes every game. Sure, and then we're that like, I really appreciate, and and yet I'm in the same place that I've been screaming for him to be removed. No. I don't happen to think that I, I and I think you're right about the bench. I I don't think he wants to put Rui in there. No, basically the move that makes the most sense to me is is, Jay, is Jackson Hayes starting. Everybody Jackson Hayes is the guy who should start. <laughs> Alan, he is the Joe McGee of this team. Okay. Uh, Alan, you can just start and play seven minutes in the first half, seven minutes in the second half. He'll hold down the fort for those minutes, sure. and and he'll give us a big lineup because what is killing us is every starting every game with Torian Prince and getting killed on the boards, killed in the points in the paint. It's every game we're starting off behind that lineup. That starting lineup, even in the last five games, has a negative points plus minus. Is that hard to believe? We won four of the five games. That starting lineup with Torian Prince has a negative plus minus for the five games that we've done the best. Yeah, it's just time to go ahead and make a change in my opinion. Put Hayes in there. Go big. Sean, Sean uh, <laughs> Alan, you dream big, my friend, but there's no way the the Bulls would take – seriously, if you were sitting in the Bulls general manager office and just, Rob, yeah. Rob Palenka called you and asked and told you, hey, I got a deal, great deal for you, man. Great deal. Listen to this deal, man. I got it's – a, it's a good one. You got to jump on this, baby. Prince and Christie for Caruso, man. We might even throw a pick. How about that, man? How about that? After it could be heard all the way to Catalina. Yeah, exactly. So um, I will tell you this, Magic Man, when it comes to the Lakers – uh, your thoughts on Prince? It just it looks like you know. I was hoping that that he was going to be able to really find his way with the Lakers, but uh, unfortunately, after some promising signs in the preseason, it's not worked out. It has not worked out, Gerald. Um, he's played, uh, I would say, over thirty-five, talking forty percent of his minutes, maybe at the shooting guard position. Defensively. He's his age. He's lost his step. It's not good a lot of the times. He has trouble playing defense without fouling as well, Gerald, as you can see. Uh, some of our guys see one of the big fundamentals is that you get really low and you tuck your arms in and you're square to your defender. A lot of times the Lakers find themselves a tiptoeing and getting in their dance shoes, Gerald, and guards just get around that stuff, Prince has a tendency to reach, and he gets called a lot for reaching. So it really hasn't worked. Um, you know, despite what uh, what others may have said, Vand Vando being uh, out of the lineup and, you know, having other injuries kind of, platoon different rotations and lineups is not a rationalization or uh, an excuse for not being able to defend at a top shelf level when you're a Los Angeles Laker. You know what? Actually, I think I've got the best trade of the year for you guys. Kurt Affair 
Got to give him props. He said, trade Jay Moore and Snoop's leftover stash because, you know, he recently said he would stop. Well, Gerald, I, I, Caruso and DeRozan. I think that's a steal right there. <laughs> speaking speaking of which, I've I've posted two interesting stats that I think all all Laker fans should pay attention to from cleaning the glass. Last year, Gerald, Austin Reeves was in the one hundredth percentile. I'll repeat that: the one hundredth percentile in drawing, being able to draw fouls. Twenty percent of his shot attempts. We're off of fouls, Gerald. That's high. That's really high. Only AD was in that in the in that level, and he was at eighty three percent. LeBron was just hovering at over fifty. So we really needed that from Reeves, Gerald. That's plummeted. He's only averaging ten percent now. Yeah, which is huge. That is huge, and that's one of the reasons why he's gone to the bench. Is that there has been there's been a change either with him the way he plays and or a combination of the way he's defended that has caused this issue and the lakers really need to look into it man because he was so effective inside the elbow to the rim getting getting opportunities but that hasn't happened i think guys are sagging off him a little bit magic man i think they're daring him to drive He's not driving with the same level of intensity or speed that he was able to. I think that, uh, you know, we've all talked about the FIBA experience. He actually got a lot of – he drew fouls in FIBA as well, and that's a tougher, rougher league. But I think a couple of things. One, I think that there was such a hue and cry last season for the volume, the free throw disparity the Lakers generated. <laughs> there was, right? And whether no, no, there was. Whether it was or not, right, whether it was deserved or not, whether that – those were foul, fair fouls or not, doesn't matter. The league doesn't want the perception that they are gifting the Lakers games at the foul line. It's just, that's why they had, the Lakers had to go in and say, LeBron is getting smacked in the face, okay? And you're not blowing the whistle. And you've watched LeBron's free throw attempts go up since then. They might have to do something similar in a week or two with Reeves. You can't pull a Mark Cuban. You can't do it every week. You can't be, and Jeannie's not like that. She's not a whiner. She's not a whiner like Mark Cuban is, who's just a class A, 100% beef whiner. But you, at some point, you're going to have to do something to address it. Because if you watch the games, and I, we think we all do at some point, maybe not Joe, but the rest of us do, uh, at some point you can notice he's getting hit in the head. He's getting hit on the side. He's getting bumped off his shots. And there's no whistle being blown. And so at what point does that become... Uh, a topic worthy of raising with the league and being like, look, you know, you don't need to send this guy a line 10 times, but three or four times a game is fair, right? Like there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a little bit of early season. We're not going to send the Lakers to the stripe vibe going on. And it's affected us. It's definitely affected us because we are a team that dominates in the paint. We are a team that penetrates and hits the, hits the rim more than a lot of other teams. We're not a jump shooting team, and we shouldn't be. It's one of the reasons Torian Prince isn't a great fit right now. He's a jump shooter who has no role. He doesn't he doesn't have anywhere to go. He doesn't have any plays run for him. He doesn't have a there's no set that gets Torian Prince's shot in the playbook. I can guarantee you that. It's it's a pro, it's a problem in that and this is something we've talked about before too. Lakers bring these guys in and just expect them to shoot great without enabling their greatest level of success. Oh, oh, by by the way, it's the by coaching. the way, here's an interesting league stat, Gerald. 
of the 43 players in the NBA right now who have shot over 75 three-point attempts, do you know who happens to be the percentage leader? Malik Beasley, former <laughs> Laker of the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's two years in a row now a former Laker has, has led the league at this point in time in three-point percentage. A year ago, it was Kid Tavius Caldwell-Pope. Now it's Malik Beasley. It's never the players. I've for years now said it's that we bring guys in and say, all right, stand around and wait for us to throw you the ball. And that's not how they found success in the past. It's just not how they found success in the past. They either have the ball in their hands and create their own three-point shot off of step backs or screens, or they have, or it's like Steph Curry, where you run a series of plays for the, to get them open for their shot. We don't do either one. We just say, hey, wait, wait for your roll. Wait for your shot, buddy. And you better make it. That's not that's not enabling a guy. It's just you know, and this this isn't jazz either, Gerald. It's and, and when you say that word, it's it's almost as if, you know, oh well, Miles Davis had had, you know, great uh, instrumentalists and musicians beside him. Yeah, he had to because you had to keep up with them. And why this attitude about guys not having it with LeBron on the bench really baffles me. It's, you know, we should be running sets and running design plays because the man is not out there. And so if he's not out there, he has very little to no control over what actions we're running. It, it seems like there's this disconnect. I don't get it. I don't get it. I understand if you're lo- if you're losing the the point differential when he's not on the bench. That, you know, maybe the playoffs was an outlier for that, but this badly? This badly and he's 30, uh we could say he's 39. I'm going to be 39 a couple weeks before him. I'm 39, Gerald. He's 39. You God, can't I hate rely- you. I hate you cuz you still look great for 39. By then I was already going gray. I hate you, Sean. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, but <laughs> my red hair was already done. My I was already losing my red hair. It was already going gray. Yes, it was already going downhill for me. You still look great, Sean, for thirty for going on thirty nine. Thanks a lot, Gerald. But I can ha- I still say what? I hate you? Can we that? trade? Can we I trade? Just realized pancreas? that that's exactly half my age. Man, Gerald, can we trade pancreas? <laughs> I'll you, you can have the type one diabetes and the nice hair, and I'll take your. Uh, uh, yeah, you can keep it. You can keep okay. You can have my high cholesterol. How about that? We'll trade that for you instead. No, <laughs> and, and lack of and lack of sleep complex. Hey, yes, uh, Ger- Ger- Gerald has a nice mane. It it may not be red anymore, Gerald. But it, is, it is. I miss nice, my brownish red hair. It, it is a nice mane. Yes, I I walk by it on old pictures and just go, <sighs> whatever. Back Good in the day, me. ladies and gentlemen. Gerald was hanging around with like Val Kilmer and uh, I was Rob I Lowe. was called Val Kilmer all the, the real time. Lo- Rob Lowe, not Rob Palinka in disguise. The real Rob go. Lowe. Well, whatever. <laughs> I was called Val Kilmer. Lob. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, 
Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. Guys, we're going to go ahead and finish out the episode here by asking what the Lakers need to do in this next week of games to really get things going before Thanksgiving uh, on the right track. I had said before repeatedly, and Magic Man's heard me on this show before in the past couple of days, saying that 9-6, and six, that's got to happen. These next two games are very winnable games. Yes, I know one of them's the beloved in-game tournament, in-season tournament, NBA Cup, whatever the hell it is. All right. Okay, that's great. That could earn them a quarterfinal position and secure it completely against Utah. That's great. But the fact is they're playing two lousy teams, guys. Get themselves nine and six. Get them some, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of rhythm heading into some bigger matchups because they've got a lot of road games coming up in the next month. A lot of road games coming up in the next month. I want to stress that a lot of road games coming up. Yeah. Isn't isn't that really weird? Like why does this always seem to happen? They get like some weird, like six week. Yeah. Like the Grammy awards. And now this, it's like, it's really weird. It's down for about a month in December. They did some weird thing where we were traveling through the Southeast last year, and then all of a sudden we had to dip around, Gerald, and go right to the Northeast. Uh, Again, it's with Los Angeles. It all seems to be centralized on the Mm -hmm. crypt right now. Uh, As more venues come up, like the, the Clippers Dome and all that, maybe more venues, more events will go that way to the nicer, shinier thing that will allow the Lakers to go ahead and have the crypt more to themselves. But we'll see again. That's, I still tell you one day and I still believe one day that the Lakers genie will probably try to just subtly ask, you know, for a new arena at some point in time. I'm just going to tell you it's, it's because she sees all of her owner friends or owner, you know, fellow owners out there. They're, they're getting all their own nice shiny new arenas. Uh, at some point in time, she's going to get the itch to ask for one. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's just, it's a done deal, I think, at some point in time. But it is the Lakers fast break. Tom, what are your thoughts on the next week? What do the Lakers need to do to get on the right track going forward? Because, again, a lot of road games are on the horizon for the Lakers. I think they have to win. They have, they have seven games left this month in November. They've got to win five of those games, finish 12 and 8. It'll be 60%, and that'll get them in the top six. Uh, you know what, Alan? I like that because if you move LeBron to the point, LeBron has been shooting well from behind the arc this season. He's been terrible at the free throw line. And That's shooting fewer fewer threes, too, which is yeah. good. Yeah. A, a lot of things don't make sense. The Lakers are last in offensive possessions in the NBA, yet they're fifth in field goal percentage. So aside from the god-awful three-point shooting and everybody else crapping the bed in the half-court, Gerald, we should really be thankful for Anthony Davis at being six and six. If we had a lesser player, we might be four and eight or three and nine. Jamie, what are your thoughts, my friend, on what the Lakers need to do? I mean, obviously the next two games are must-win games. They're not trap games per se, because they don't come on at you know, the Lakers already know what they're what they're going against in Houston and Utah. Uh the 
situation for the Lakers changes though as soon as they start going on the road because he, I just looked at the schedule here just while you guys were talking earlier. There again, as I state again, I want to stress there's a ton of road games for a what so far has been a bad road team this season. Yeah, I think that they need to establish themselves on the road in December, but they need to take care of business at home. This it, what they can what that's what they got to fatten up on the teams they can fatten up on. They did a good job of that against Portland the other night, playing tournament or whatever aside they did what they had to do against portland the only thing that kind of sucked about it well the reason i would i kind of disagree with darvin ham's reasoning about the point differential and leaving the starters in so late into the fourth um but whatever i mean i, I would i would assume that that was done with everybody's blessing on the on the bench so whatever um I, we got to step it up defensively that, that's the main thing you know this this team is not going to score pretty we're not a pretty team. We're not going to win pretty. So that means you got to ramp it up on defense. You got to get the most you can out of guys like Prince and Reeves and D'Lo. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen Hayes and Wood rebound in spurts. They need to rebound better across the board. Uh, and, you know, AD can't have any more nine point. I played like, you know, I played like Dookie games. Like, just can't afford it. This team can't afford that. And so it's those moments when you hear him say stuff like that, you're, you just got to realize that there's a reason that, that LeBron hasn't done his, what everybody was urging him to do this summer, which was take a back seat, cede some responsibility for the, it's just not going to happen. A, he's not wired that way, but it, there's no, there's no winning basketball yeah. in that formula for the Lakers. There's just not, there's just, it doesn't, it won't sure work. Is. There's defense, there's which is he anchors in this team. You, you Anybody who thinks that we can win without his defense is crazy. No, but I'm talking about being the focal point of the offense. He's not going to be the focal point of the offense because he's a center. But he was talking about the beginning of the series all summer long. Oh, he's going to finally ascend and take the torch and all these wonderful hyperbolic things. Yeah, well, and also then LeBron also found out that, oh, hey, I just had a drink out of the fountain of youth, and I feel better than I've ever felt, and I'm going to go out there and Will play my game. It will not happen. It will never, ever, never, never, ever happen. So, yeah, but I don't think that's AD's fault to a certain extent because I think that. No, it's everybody else's it, fault. I don't, I don't know who could take the baton from LeBron James at this point in time, man. The, the same person from Kobe Bryant. You can't tell me he's not a top 10 player right now in the league. No, Can anybody he's... out here say that he's not a top 10 NBA player right now? Nobody on this. Nobody on this. Panel will say that. I don't think I'd say he's. I think he's right there. He's right in. He's he's right in the top ten. He could win the MVP if he keeps playing this way this year. He not would. He would reach a point where LeBron is playing a like a top ten player. His way. Yeah, but not with our record, and that's the problem. Is that like you're not going to see him? Four and one over the last five games is eighty percent. Yeah, but that's not that's not the record. Nope. <laughs> There's a guy in Denver uh, that could probably say, you know, probably okay. disagree with you on that. It's you know called. Yeah, I nearly had a nearly had a 2020 game yeah. yesterday. He's playing My video. God. He's, I think he's playing video games. Right. You know. That's what continuity. That's what continuity and 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 having a team together for a long time will do. Plus, but, in Philadelphia, I told Magic Man I would actually put, give Maxi the MVP vote over Embiid right now, personally. But yeah. that's yeah, just me. Great. 
Uh, and Halliburton's been playing incredible for Indiana. So I wish yeah. LeBron would get the calls that Embiid gets. My God, Jesus Christ. But heading into, like you said, Laker Tom, the rest of November and December, uh, Jamie and Laker Tom and Sean, uh, again, uh, not counting, Sean. Wait, I must say this, not counting the what they're going to do last minute as far as the scheduling based on the NBA Cup. Because that period of 10 days between the 2nd and the 12th of December is yet to be determined. They'll, they'll get so a let, tougher game than they would have if they weren't in the NBA Cup. Well, but the Lakers, as of now, not looking at that, as, after the the home-and-home home game, back-to-back, home-and-home, how well it worked for us last week, back-to-back, home-and-home home games against Utah and Dallas. After that, if you do not mm-hmm. count the NBA Cup, period, they have 10 of the next 12 games on the road, Sean. That's going to be a tall order, and that's going to lead to a tough December. But your thoughts, my friend. We're going to go ahead and run it around. Your thoughts first, Sean, before we head on out. Yeah, uh, you know, Gerald, over this next 10-game stretch, I, I really I hope they go, you know, around 7-3. and three. That that would that would be positive. They could be, you know, it's around 13-10, and 14-9, or, or somewhere in that uh, that range. You know, you're, you're kind of eking your way up because I remember you were giving me kind of a hard time about putting the Lakers like in the middle of the pack as far as the top six is concerned. And I, I think you'd take that right now, Gerald. I would. Absolutely. Oh, the season <laughs> has I, gone I, very differently than what I had imagined. Gerald, I also wanted to say, uh, you know, although I didn't attend the game, had a, had a few friends who did and they said, um, they're also concerned that because of the way these in-season courts are very slick, and we've noticed that, that somebody's going to really hurt. Somebody's going to really hurt themselves. What um, did I say? If they if there's yeah, a championship game and, and LeBron there's uh, there's concern there's concern right now that if the Celtics did an MRI on Jalen Brown's groin, it wouldn't be good. So he he is. He is lambasting. Trying to avoid the MRI machine. Yeah. He is lambasting um, the, the NBA for these courts, Gerald. And uh, as we've noted, it's not no, it's not just noticeable to us. Other players have noticed how slick oh, yeah. and slippery it is. And for God's sakes, the Dallas Mavericks aren't even allowed to use their court because it was graded unplayable. Because the so, NBA r- rushes together, that's why. Yes, exactly, Gerald. And you, you, you were. I want to give credit where credit is due, and we usually call things before they happen. We're not right all the time, but as Joe said, we're right a lot. Gerald was right about this. He said that if you're gonna bum rush this out, watch somebody's gonna get hurt, and then that'll be the end of the uh, any second season of the in season tournament. Jamie, any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? I mean, the in-season tournament's a gimmick, and I'm sure it's going to be wonderful for the team that wins it. But that's, you know, whatever. I don't understand the desire. Oh, Jamie, that. Jamie, if, it looks as though we might be on a collision course to play the Celtics in that thing, for God's sake. I don't know. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be so great for me. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be loving it. I, you know, I but I don't really care about it. I I, I want us to win the, the tournament at the end of the season. Uh, that's the one that matters the most. This one is just... Mm-hmm. it's just to make it matter and everybody's buying into it. And, and you can tell that the players are playing hard in the games and that's cool. It's become a way to get your teammates 500,000 for the guys at the end of the bench. 
you know, Cam Reddish is going to double his salary. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I just want to see the Lakers get through this part of the season as healthy as possible. You know, the Jalen Brown point is an excellent point. The Celtics are going to rue being in a position to like win that cup if Jalen Brown really can't play like himself for the rest of the season because he's got a torn up groin. So, you know, these are the things that must be weighed and balanced. And so for me, rather see the Lakers, you know, focus on winning the winnable games, focus on getting guys right, getting guys in there, putting guys in the best position to succeed and figuring out some of these lingering questions, you know, that the coaching staff can't seem to like allow themselves to wrap their head around the answer. And I think that we've been banding the answers back and forth here pretty well. It's just they, and this was a hallmark of Ham last season, they're just slow on the uptick on certain key things. As quick as they were to put Russ to the bench, he never went away from the three-guard lineups, ever. He never went away from them. And so it was this level of stubbornness where you're just like, you have to at some point agree with empirical evidence. You can't just keep peddling hope. <laughs> you can't do it. It's not sustainable. You're not gonna, And you're not going to win. So if you're not winning with certain formulas and empirical evidence is pointing in a direction, you need to listen. And I get it. You want to balance out your second unit. Makes total sense. There are other ways to do that. There are other ways to do it. So for me, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the Jared Vanderbilt ramp up looks like when he makes his debut and stuff like that um, and how that all looks. Because the problem with that is, sure, they're going to get him up to game speed, yada, yada, yada. He still hasn't played meaningful basketball in two months, two right. plus. He's gonna I, think, have I think your point, though, that you made, Jamie, is really an important one that, that you said earlier that I. Everybody was saying that Reddish might be the placeholder for Vando. No, I think Prince. Jamie's more on spot that Prince is the well, placeholder for Vando. We, we hope I, we hope I'm more on spot. We hope yeah. I'm. I can't. Well, I'm not, yeah, I, I, I want to see. I would like to see Reddish stay in the lineup. I don't think you don't. You don't turn around when your kid is playing that well. He's got to play himself out of the lineup, as far as I'm concerned. If I were a coach, that's the way I would look at it. But I definitely think that if you're, if the coach is thinking that Vando is going to be the guy to come in there to take over the small forward position, which is where Prince is playing now, then basically. It could make sense not to make a in, not to make a second change in between, but just to, to play it out, then move Vando in to replace Prince as soon as he's ready. For example, he wants to get positions, so I think why why bring Rui in if Rui is going to be on the bench regularly? So there's there's a little bit of logic to it, and I thought that I want to give Darwin some leeway because I thought he made a great decision with respect to Reeves and, and Reddish. I expect he's going to make a similarly good decision with respect to what to do with Prince. Um, and so I'm going to remain patient with him to make that decision because I think he's earned it. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Laker holic spotlight right here. Of course, as far as the Lakers fast break and go ahead and check out Lakerholics.com. You'll get the latest great articles right there. Free from the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. Laker Tom. And of course, Jamie sweet as well. Guys, it's been great having you on. Uh, you do have a request by Cool Bro to play "Living on a Prayer" before we head on out, Jamie Bro. Sweet. But uh, go ahead, I my friend. Gotta say something to Cool Bro. Cool Bro, you will enjoy Dostoevsky. 
give Crime and Punishment a shot as soon as possible. Great book. All right. But uh, great to have you guys here. Great to have Sean here. Uh, I know he uh, had to bug on out, looks like. So wanted to go ahead and thank him for stopping by. Always great to have him here. And, of course, Laker Tom, of course, please check out his latest articles and his latest trade scenarios there or at Laker Tom on Twitter. Actually, uh, Kurt also says, can Jamie play gin and juice as well? (laughs) (laughs) The the requests keep on coming. You know, send send them to uh, Gerald before the show is happening. And Sean Sean had a request for me to play something today, but then he had to zip it a doodah, so we'll see. Yes. But uh, great to have you here. Great to have everyone else out there. Best Lakers chat room that's out there. I love all the different starting lineup scenarios that you put out there, especially uh, Alan, Alan, uh, both Alans, uh, Adam, you know, just great having here. Ellen, Li5, great to have Lakers in five here as well. Kurt, bringing the, bringing the humor as always. Darren, great to have you here every single time out. I thank you so much for buying the, the, or getting the the LFB shirt. I'm glad you see it said it feel you know it fits you great. So I'm glad to see that. And if you want some LFB merchandise, go ahead and check it out in the description below. The link is right there. Go ahead, it's a great holiday gift for someone you love out there or for yourself. Treat yourself to a great holiday gift in Lakers Fast Break merchandise indeed. So for Laker Tom, Magic Man Sean Grice and Jamie Sweet, it's Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching listening. We'll see you tomorrow, a full day of coverage, including the pregame, playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break for the game and the postgame, the best that's out there for Lakers coverage right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Happy Lakers weekend, everyone. Stay safe.